As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Athletic Hockey Show, the Wednesday-ish <laughs> roundtable edition. We haven't been here for a couple of weeks, actually enjoying a little bit of sunlight, but we are back. I am Rob Pizel from CBC Sports, joined, as always, by Jesse Granger in Vegas. How are you, sir? I'm great. Enjoying the summer, but uh, excited to talk a little bit of hockey today. It's been a while. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I was away last week, just went away with the family to... Uh, to a cottage and I unplugged like I've never really unplugged before. I haven't done it in a while and I just kind of said, you know, I just want to sit by the lake, have a couple of frosty beverages and it was nice. But then you come back, you're like, oh, I better I better find out what happened in sports. You know, what, what, I, I, can you unplug? Can you really just turn it off? I've done it better this off season than any off season before. And I don't know why. Maybe it's because I like I don't know. Like when I'm when I'm in the off season, I almost feel like I can't. Like if I unplug, I'm going to miss something. I think covering the Cup final this year, because I worked the longest and had like yeah. the shortest, I feel like I've given myself more of a permission to unplug a little more. I think um, it's helped me, and I've and I've really enjoyed it. Me too. Me too. But now it's back to doing what we do and talking a little hockey. And and we've joked many times about what we do in the summer when we start getting that the itch. Do we watch old games? Do we do whatever? And I'm not saying this following sentence because on my paychecks, it says The Athletic. But The Athletic's so good at coming up with creative ways to keep our hockey juices going when there are no games. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. 
there was a great piece from Shana Goldman and Saad Youssef, who we have on the show all the time. Um, and I wanted to bring it up and I wanted us to really dissect this thing because I thought it was great. It was the first thing I read since coming off the uh, off vacation. 10 lessons the NHL can learn from other professional sports leagues to grow the game. Um, we kind of allude to a couple of these every now and again, but I thought it was just put together. So I want to go through each one and I want your, we'll both say whether we agree or disagree and give our thoughts because some I think are, are super, super smart and super kind of obvious. And then others fall on the fence for me. You ready to go? Yep. All right. Number one, this comes from the NBA, but also NFL slash major league baseball. Number one, being more player centric. Basically, the piece talks about hockey players, you know, often get it up, a, 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 you know, this label of bland personalities, but some players are so afraid to do things that will paint them as selfish or not part of a team and individualistic. The NBA, NHL has to really push the player persona. Your thoughts on this one? I agree. And I I don't know what the league can do other than like, it's kind of the players have to kind of take control of this. And I kind of think they are. I don't know about you, but like, I feel like the, the newest generation of players are leaning in toward like, when I think of like Jack Hughes, yeah, uh, Trevor Zegris, um, Austin Matthews, a little bit, even Connor Bedard, like being around him at the draft, like he's got some personality. He hasn't even played a game yet. And he's already like willing to show that a little bit. I think we're going in the right direction. I don't know how long it's going to take to get there. It might be a little more slow than we than we want, but I do think we are kind of going there. I don't think it's a league thing. I think it's a team thing. I think we just have to stop stifling personality. And you, you mentioned Trevor Zegers. Okay, good example of this. Scores the, the, the amazing – well, he doesn't score it. The Michigan pass in front that we talked about for forever – and you got guys like John Tortorella saying that's not good for the game and trying to stifle it, trying to stifle personality. Um, it's more difficult in hockey because it's not the NBA. In the NBA, you've only got five guys pretty much on the court all the time for your team. They're not wearing any equipment. You know, they they stand out more. I get it. But we have to stop breeding boring people. I don't think these bland personalities are what they were born with. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the bland personalities are what they've been told their whole life. You have to be if you're an NHL hockey player. So I agree with that one wholeheartedly. Number two, create an NHL version of NFL red zone. Your thoughts on this one? Love it. Love it. Because as a avid fantasy football player, I like, I love the red zone channel. Like I cannot get enough of it. I am glued it's to it. It's locked on my TV. Entire, it's locked yeah. every Sunday. Yeah. Yep. I, I, there's, there are a few things in life. I love more than NFL red zone on a Sunday afternoon. I love it. The, so I don't want to jump too far ahead on the list, but I feel like it, these two kind of go together in terms of how do you do an NHL version of the NFL red zone? Well, number four on the list, more appointment watching games, more more like big games. I think hockey could do itself a huge favor by picking a night of the week. And I know in in Canada you've got the hockey night in Canada thing. In America we have nothing like that. Yeah. We need there needs to be a night of the, that's what the NFL does better than any other sport. In 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 America it's the most popular sport by far and I think the reason is because you know, Sunday afternoon, what am I doing? I'm sitting down, I'm watching a shitload of football. Yeah. It would be nice to have a Friday night, a Wednesday night, whatever night it is that when they make the schedule, 
all the best games are on that night every week. And everyone is like, oh, it's Wednesday night. What are we doing? Of course, we're sitting down. We're watching hockey. There's five awesome games on. They can schedule the matchups to make those the the games everyone wants to watch. And it would make a Red Zone channel more like a Red Zone-esque channel more viable because that's what you need is all the games happening and everyone wanting to watch it. And it's and like it has to become part of the routine. I agree. And I think it has to happen that way for it to work. I actually hosted a, a radio show that was very a red zone channel esque every Saturday night with myself and John Shannon. Um, it's a difficult sport to do it for football lends itself to it. Of right. course, you're going to have some sort of, you know, long bomb 80 yard touchdown, but most times, you know, when a team is marching down the field and they're getting ready to score. In hockey, a power plays, that's how we used to kind of judge it. If a team got a power play, we'd go to that game. But it's a little more difficult, right? And you you have to be able to really get a flow of a game. But, I mean, more hockey. We're never going to say no to more hockey. Which brings us to number three. And this is something I've been saying for so long because they do it in the playoffs and I wish they did it more in the regular season. And that's to stagger the schedule. And, that, and staggering the schedule in terms of times. Like the NHL is planning a 16-game night on October 24th. And the games start go between 6 p.m. and 11 p.m. And each game starts 15 to 30 minutes apart. We see this in the playoffs. You're watching one game that starts at 7. All of a sudden, it goes to the intermission. And what do you do? You bounce to the other game that started at 7.30. Yep. We can't have 8, 7 o'clock Eastern games and expect people to watch multiple. I watch two at once. And even that gets a little bit too much. Yeah, the it it is brutal when your game goes to intermission and you go to okay, let me turn on another game and it's like, oh, all seven games are at intermission right now. It it yeah. it's not ideal. It would be nice. And not only that, but like again, going back to the if you've got a night with a bunch of big games, if you get lucky and four of them are real close games, you get to the watch the end of one, switch watch the end of the next, watch the oh. end of the next. You get to watch the best part of the game back to back to back to back. It could be very good. It takes again, this is Hockey is not the best sport for this, but things have to go right, but it can definitely be better. If you're asking me would I rather have a staggered schedule or an NFL red zone style, I'm going staggered schedule. I just think yeah. it lends it so much better to bounce around. Um, that that's that would just be me. Uh, we mentioned the more appointment watching games. You talked about that, so we'll kind of jump over that. The next one is an interesting one. It comes from the NBA, and it's just, number five, more flexibility with the salary cap. Uh, In the piece, it says the NBA has a soft salary cap that creates more opportunities for teams to make moves by shifting things around. And here's why I agree with this. We do this for a living, Jesse, and how many times before we do a show are we like, what's that rule again with the cap? What's this? Well, they've got this. They've got this many. The cap is hard. The cap is really, it's not a matter of just you're allowed to spend this much money. There are a lot of finer points. And... You just got to make it a little bit simpler with a little more flexibility, in my opinion. I'm not a huge fan of the hard cap. I'm a fan of structure and maybe a softer cap. You? I totally agree. I think it, one, it, it does, it may, it allows me to write more about hockey and less about math, which I'm a big fan of. Um, Covering a team that is usually pressed within a couple cents of the salary cap floor, uh, it, or sorry, the salary cap ceiling, it's a nightmare. Um, and it would be much better to say, oh, this big team, they want a left wing. What left wings fit on the ice with the players they have rather than let me do a math equation. And once I'm done with all this calculus, I can figure out that these are the three left wings they can actually afford. It 
it does that. And it also makes the league more fun. What teams want to spend? The teams that are good. What teams have no money to spend? All the teams that are good. It would be nice in the offseason if the biggest teams that were already cat pressed could had didn't have to worry about signing their own guys. Like I, they do bird gears in the NBA, where if you've had a guy for a certain number, you you get a it doesn't count as much towards the cap, stuff like that. I, I think more flexibility for the elite teams that are trying to add uh, makes the league more fun. I've been saying it for years. I, I miss the days where guys would sit around. Well, not just guys, anybody. Hockey fans in general would sit around and argue, this goalie's better than this goalie. This team's got better power play than this team, as opposed to constantly figuring out numbers. So I'm on board with that one. I'm also on board with number six implementing a designated player rule. This comes from Major League Soccer, where they do have structure, but it's a rule, a proposed rule, where you maybe have two or three players that you can sign and it doesn't go against the cap. And it's, you know, in soccer, they do it to get players like Messi to come play in Miami. But in hockey, you could do that even for your own talent or your, you know, um, the one of the rules that, that they proposed was, you get two exemptions, one for a player you drafted and one for a UFA where, okay, we're up against the cap, but we've got our, our UFA exemption. Hey, let's go out and get the best UFA available because we can. What do you think of this one? I, I like it. Um, I Again, it just makes the offseason more entertaining. Uh, real quick. The messy thing is awesome, though. I, I, it's I'm, insane. A, I'm a soccer fan. I never watch MLS. It's, to be quite honest, hard to watch. I I have never glued, like watched a full MLS game prior to this. Jumped on the Miami bandwagon the day they signed Messi. I've watched all seven games. It is unbelievable, this guy. Nine goals in seven games. It's He turned the worst team in America into an unstoppable powerhouse. It's amazing. I think it's, and, and we're turning this into a soccer yes. show. I think it's unfortunate because, you know, in the past, MLS have received, have, have went out and got players, but way past their prime. Right. Messi is fresh off a World Cup. You know what I mean? I mean Messi yeah. is. I mean, he's is, 35, but he's, or 36, however old he is, but he's so good, it doesn't matter. He's so good, right? So it's just, not, it's not, you know, somebody who's well into their 40s and, and is just a yeah. name that people are going to want to go see just because of their name. So, yeah, but I mean, I would love to see, I'd love to, or, or someone, like I said, the, the other exemption is if you drafted that player and suddenly they're becoming a UFA or an RFA and you could sign them over and above what the cap would allow yep. you to. I think it works. Number seven, don't be holding to ways. Don't be holding to a way as it's always been. Um, and this one, it's funny because they model this after Major League Baseball, which for so long was the opposite of that. Major League Baseball used to be so stubborn in that's the way baseball's always been and we're not changing a damn thing. But now baseball's come to a point where they realize certain things need to be changed. This is the one I'm a little bit on the fence with. I think the NHL has done a pretty good job at being able to tinker with the game. They've tinkered with rules. I mean, look at after the after the lockout. I mean, yep. they they pretty much changed the entire game. I think they've done a pretty good job in this department. I totally agree, and I think it's funny that we like it's again. It's modeled after MLB. I think the NHL is way better at this than baseball is. Um, I think baseball is probably the probably the worst at it. Um, you you mentioned all the, the the drastic rule changes and going to the shootout and eliminating ties. Like that's all. I mean, what other sport has made changes? Maybe football. Yeah. You could argue football trying to make it more offensive, and you can't touch the quarterback. They've changed a lot of rules. They've they've gotten they've basically gotten rid of kickoffs. 
Hockey maybe hasn't been quite that drastic, but I would say they're definitely second in and and not just the drastic changes after the lockout, but like they're constantly sh- like changing the size of goalie equipment to try to get more goals there. Like the NHL's trying. Um, I, I I'll give the the league credit. We we kind of talk a lot about things that they don't do. I think I think hockey is is doing great in this category. All right, number the three more left. Number eight, implement more advanced replay technology, and this comes from the greatest replay sport in all of sports, and that's tennis. I love tennis. I watch a lot of tennis. And when there's a challenge, the player raises his finger or her finger. The player, the, the, the fans clap. Five seconds later, we see if the ball was in or not, and we continue playing. Yep. The number one criticism of replay, especially in hockey, is it takes too damn long. If there's a way to do it, Contact the Jetsons, contact whoever, put a chip in the puck, do whatever you got to do, use technology. Yep, I totally agree. And and you see it in soccer too, the VAR. It's like it, the, the ref doesn't even have to look and slow it down. And it's like they've got technology that literally tells yep. them he was either onside or he was not onside. It would be nice to, did that puck go in? And especially the ones where the goalie's covering it, it's underneath him or it's inside his glove. It's like, no, 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 we don't even need a replay. Just did the puck cross the line? Yes, it did. Goal. Yeah, I understand there's some subjective calls that you can't really do that with like goalie interference and everything else. Right. But I mean, I would completely be in favor of an automatic whistle for an offside. Yeah. If it's if it's possible, you know, in the future where if a team's offside, the whistle, a, a loud whistle just, just gets blown by a machine and move on. The same way I've always wanted. I can't stand umpires in baseball still being around. Right. We have technology <laughs> to tell me what a strike in a ball is. Come on. It's 2023. Let's move on. Uh, number nine, lean in on data and promote it publicly. Uh, data and research development it, it has gone pretty far in hockey, but according to, you know, to, to Shana Youssef, it's still behind in other leagues. What do you think? Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, there's there's so much data we aren't getting. Like I like you like I'll talk to Bruce Cassidy and he'll like I'll be mentioning some metrics and he's like, eh, well, the metrics we see. Um, can I see these metrics? Bruce? Yeah. Like, I re- <laughs> what? Come on, share the good stuff with me. Come on. I want to write about this stuff. Um, and, and like sites like sport logic that, that track like micro stats, entries, uh, exits, things like that. I would love more data. Um, I, I love using data to tell the story I'm all for. And, and with all the, the they do have chips in the players. And, and they're getting their average mile per hour. They're getting how many feet they skate every game. I think there's a lot of value. There's a lot of valuable information that's already being tracked that we just don't get to see. It'd be great if we did get to see it. Gamblers would love it. That's, yes. that's one of the things they, they, they want all the information you can get their hands on because um, it's hard earned money. They're wagering there. Finally, number 10, allow fresh voices to make their imprint on the game. And that's not, voices like you or me that's voices behind the bench uh model a little more after the nfl we've complained about the rotating door of coaches in the past so you know i'm on board with this one we don't always have to look to the same 10 coaches let's let's try to find those hidden gems and 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 coaches who bring maybe a bit of a a different fresh young approach to the game i i totally agree i i think there should be more hiring of assistants and I think there should be more hiring of of you see it like in in basketball and in football, 
the top college guys get hired? Like, why why is the 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 top college coach not getting hired in the NHL? Why is the top junior coach not getting a chance in the NHL? Um, I think we should see more of that. So there you have it. Ten ways that, uh, or ten lessons the NHL could learn from other professional sports leagues. And we just, guys, we just hit the the tip of the iceberg. Head to the Athletic to read it. Hat tip to Shana and Saad Youssef because that was just. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that piece and wanted to bring it up. One more thing uh, before we get to break, and I should mention Rob Rossi is going to be joining us uh, after the break to talk some Pittsburgh Penguins. They haven't been busy at all uh, since <laughs> Kyle Dubas. <laughs> Man alive, that guy's got to be exhausted. Uh, so we'll talk Penguins after the break, but I do want to bring this up. Uh, former Leaf defenseman Bobby Bond uh, passing away at the age of 86. So sad day uh, in hockey. Um, but Jesse, you know, very few players are known for basically one thing. He's one of those players. And if you don't know the story, 1964 Stanley Cup final, uh, they were taken on the Red Wings. They're facing elimination down 3-2 in the series in game six. He was actually in the penalty box for two of Detroit's goals. So obviously, you know, wanting to redeem himself just a little bit. Blocks a Gordie Howe shot. Goes to take the next face off. Says he hears a snap. Gets taken off on a stretcher. They shoot him up with painkillers. Tape up his leg. Comes back out. Scores the overtime winning goal. And then the Leafs end up winning in game seven, which he also played. After game seven, he decides, maybe I should get this thing x-rayed. What do you think? Oh, I don't know. Just plays on a broken leg. Uh, it's one of those hockey, you know, folklores that, you know, one of these days it's going to get to a point where it's like Bobby Bond lost his leg and still scored that goal. I mean, it's 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 been around forever. I've heard it since I was a kid. But I want to ask you, is there, a, is there a, a hockey player is tough story that you can think of? That like, you know, somebody basically should not have been playing hockey, did play hockey and, you know, just amazed everyone that we're going to talk about from now until the end of time. Yeah. So I'm not going to go back very far. I'll actually go back to the last NHL game that was played. Um, Game five, Stanley Cup final. And we just learned uh, via Mark Stone on what's his name? The punter from the NFL. I can't think of his name. He was just on his podcast. And uh, Mark Stone revealed that he broke his arm in game five against Florida. So this is a guy who was already playing, just coming back from his second back surgery in a calendar year. And he broke his arm in or his wrist. And he and and you see pictures. we, We saw pictures immediately after the cup where he's like on the golf course with the cup. And he had a huge brace on his left wrist. Um, so now that explains it. He breaks his wrist in game five of the Stanley Cup. All he does after is score a hat trick in a nine to three blowout win to lift the Stanley Cup. I can't think of a more like storybook ending for the captain of the team. So this is not lore yet. We're just figuring this out in the last couple yeah. of days, but I feel like that will go down 50 years from now in Las Vegas. Golden Knights fans will still be talking about Mark Stone with the back with the broken wrist hat trick to win the Stanley Cup. Just crazy. Just crazy. I, I jotted down a few. Uh, I know this is a concussion, so this would not happen today. But when Paul Correa got knocked unconscious by Scott Stevens, and he's literally like laying on the ice, and you see his breath like fogging up his, his visor, and he comes back to score the OT winner. I remember watching that thinking, yep. What is going on here? Like, how is he alive? Let alone that was scoring. The one that, yep, that was the one that came to my mind. Like, if I yeah. think back to the past, that was the first thing that popped in my head. I can't forget. I know we talked about this. With Matthew Kachuk too. 
played played with a broken sternum. Your sternum is like everything. I don't know how he did that. Um, the one that really sticks out to me, and I remember it when I was younger, and I did a feature on it for CBC Sports. Uh, I mean, Mario Lemieux coming back from his last chemo session. Yep. Didn't tell anybody he was coming. Didn't tell anybody. Just hops on a plane, comes to Philly of all places, like <laughs> a place where, you know, they don't even like Santa Claus. And <laughs> they come. he comes to Philly. His teammates are like, Mario? The rest of the other team's like, are you kidding me? And he scores a goal, goes on one of the greatest scoring runs ever, catches Pat LaFontaine to win the scoring title. That one blows my mind. And um, I, I sent a text to some of my buddies about 10 minutes before the show. I said, am I missing any? And my friend who's a Montreal Canadiens fan, Matt, says, uh, Jacques Plant taking a puck to the face. I'm like, ah, that's, that's a pretty good one. I wasn't uh, around for that one. I don't remember it as much. Yeah, I was. You tried to say I'm around. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that shot invented a piece of equipment. And I, you're yeah. a holy guy, so I know you would like that one. But um, yeah, that's uh, the, what, what Bobby Bond did is still incredible. And I think we're going to be talking about those. And now maybe Mark Stone for a lot of years to come. Uh, and in just a few minutes to come, we're going to speak to Rob Rossi. Pittsburgh Penguins just busy, busy, busy since Kyle Dubas took off, took office there in uh, in Pittsburgh. We'll talk about that and more coming up. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So Jesse, when Kyle Dubas and the Leafs parted ways uh, and he took off for Pittsburgh, I'm pretty sure our next guest knew that there was a good chance he was going to have plenty of material because of it. Uh, I don't know if he thought it'd be this much material so quick and so many things to talk about, but let's ask him. Rob Rossi from The Athletic joining us, who, of course, covers the Pittsburgh Penguins. How are you, Rob? Uh, busy, gentlemen. Uh, regret- regrettably, <laughs> still this busy in uh, in mid-August. Uh, I, 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 I jest. I mean, I, it's better to have something to write about than trying to conjure up stuff. But uh, the fact that there's... There's still a possibility the Penguins are going to be trying to sign somebody between now and training camp. Uh, with training camp, what, five weeks away? is uh, It's not unusual, but the type of players they could still add it, in terms of quality is. so. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be busy all summer. And, and we're, we have, you know, we're going to start. We'll get to Dubas in a second because we do want to talk a little bit about that transition and how quick it's been and how much he's hit the ground running, uh, if you want to use an old cliche, but you know, we're starting Eric Carlson. Um, there was lots of speculation for a while. You wrote about it before it happened. And in the end, you had three teams, a lot of moving parts and Eric Carlson is a Pittsburgh Penguin. So you've had time to 
write about it, digest it, really take it in. Uh, your thoughts on the deal as it stands right now. I still legitimately have a hard time believing he got what he wanted, he being Dubis. At Montreal, the third team that Dubis needed, got what it wanted. And San Jose got so little in return. Um uh, at the at the news conference or the or the media session where Dubis was talking about it, he framed it as sort of like everybody getting what they wanted. But um, from a Pittsburgh perspective, they got everything they wanted, and they didn't give up anything that really bothers them. They protected the top the pick for top ten in the first round that they, they gave the San Jose and they, if, if they were getting Dubis, they had no use for Jeff Petrie. Um, they were fine to give up Jan Ruda because that wasn't a great contract for them, even though he's still a pretty good player. It was sort of a luxury contract for them. And then uh, Mikhail Granlund, they, they just didn't have a spot for him. And they didn't really have a spot for Casey to Smith because of what they had done in the offseason. So even with eating some of uh, Petrie's contract, I think it's like $1.25 million for the next two years, like they got Eric Carlson. I mean, that's who they wanted. That's who they view is the, the guy that can kind of be turn their big three into a big four and and give them what they feel is their best possible chance at you know being the penguins again. So I I weeks later I'm I'm still mystified. Rob, I I think you kind of answered this based on the way you answered that question, but like I to me if I were to argue in the Sharks favor, okay, what did they get? Well, they got rid of a contract that a year ago, we all said was horrible. It was a terrible contract right. that was dragging them down to the depths. And yes, he had a f- fantastic season and he's a Norris winning defenseman more, multiple times over and did it again this year. But how confident are you that that's the Eric Carlson the Penguins are going to get? Because it's still a 33 year old player with four years left on his deal at over $10 million a year. Like that's a monster contract to take on. It is, but. Um They've also never had Crosby, Malkin, and Latang count less against the cap in terms of percentage. Yeah. Um, Crosby's contract is up. Uh, he'll renegotiate an extension this summer. And I'm sure while he's going to, you know, still be costly, it, he's always going to do what's best positions them to, to compete. Um I don't care about the third and fourth years if I'm the Penguins. I mean, Sidney Crosby and Chris Letang are 36. Evgeny Malkin's 37. The two centers are still playing at an extraordinarily high level. Uh, um, They have pretty good wingers when healthy. Jake Gensel, who's only going to miss five games, according to Kyle Dubas. We thought he might miss a couple months. Uh, Brian Rust had a down year last year, but honestly, the Penguins top six was really good last year. And I actually would prefer Riley Smith. You could speak to that, Jesse, more than I could, um, uh, in their top six, because I think he's a more versatile player. 
um, more of a consistent scorer and a guy that's, you know, healthier um, than what they had before. So they've extended their window for two years. And if Carlson is 70% of what he was last year, um, that's a huge win. Right. Uh, he makes the power points. play, which is probably <laughs> better. I mean, I'm not expecting him to be another 100-plus point scorer. I mean, that doesn't happen on defense. But, I mean, Chris Letang doesn't have to do everything on that back end now, which I think is going to make Chris Letang an even better player. And Eric Carlson doesn't have to come here and worry about playing defense. They're like, like dude, be Eric Carlson. There is no organization in the league whose DNA matches better with Eric Carlson. When the Penguins win, it is with skill and scoring. And and to play that way, you need the puck. So whatever we think of Eric Carlson and what he might be a couple years from now, he still has skill, he still has the scores, and he has the puck a lot. And I think they'll live with everything else. Gets the puck out of the zone up to those two guys you were just talking about, which is what, you know, what you need to, to, to outscore the other team. But you mentioned Latang. I was under the impression that having a one-two punch at any position is always a good thing. <laughs> Since this deal came down, I I don't know Chris Latang. I've never gotten to know him on a one-on-one basis. He doesn't strike me as somebody who would be upset to get someone like Eric Carlson to steal his spotlight or his minutes. Uh, you know him much better than than we do. Uh, is that a correct assessment? Isn't this a good thing for Latang on on the ice, off the ice, as a whole? I was told when this deal was first being discussed around the draft that Latang had already been spoken to about it, you know, signed off on it. Uh, as Kyle Dubas said, he, you know, he's, he's not, he's not looking for, I think he said, he's like, he's not looking for assurance, but he wants to include the big guys in, in a move this, I mean, Chris wants to win. I don't know what the narrative on him is outside of Pittsburgh. Inside of Pittsburgh, it gets maddening sometimes. I think they take for granted how great Chris Letang has been. Um, Chris Letang came off one of the most hellacious years I've ever known a player to have. And he's had a few. Um, within five weeks, he had a second stroke and lost his father. And had another injury. I would have shut down. He still played. Not at the highest level, but he still played. He's going to come back and just be able to play hockey this year. And now he's going to have a guy that can take the pressure of running the power playoff Chris Letang. I'm assuming Letang is going to move to the left wall. And I think being that he has a really good shot pass option as a right-hander on that side. I think that's going to open up their power play in ways they haven't had since Phil Kessel, who was also a right shot, uh, had on that on that side. Um, I think the Penguins still view Latang. I mean, I know the Penguins still view Latang as their number one defenseman. Uh, if there is a defensive situation that they need addressed in late in the game, it's going to be him, not Carlson on the ice. But also, when they needed a goal late in games, they also had to have Chris on the ice at all time, which meant Evgeny Malkin didn't get us a, a defenseman who could move him the puck. Now Evgeny Malkin's line, but Malkin specifically is going to get Eric Carlson. And to be honest, 
maybe Carlson's going to double shift because he might be the best offensive producer on anybody that's on the third or fourth line. So um, I think it's going to take a lot of pressure off Latang. And I guess, yeah, maybe two alpha dogs. But you know what? Again, who better than Pittsburgh has had two alpha dogs and made it work? They've they've had Crosby and Malkin for 17 years, and there hasn't been one problem. So, um, yeah, it's it's fun. To, I guess it's fun to talk about, but I think it's sort of an invented problem. Rob, you mentioned you kind of like alluded to it earlier the the potential moves that they can make from here because they, this is a this is dragging late into the offseason for a team like every other team in the league basically has had their team complete for a few months now like what do you what do you think they can add what do you think they will add like what what do you think the future uh holds for this team before before camp gets going from my understanding their hope is that Tomas Tatar does not find uh, a multi-year deal that is too expensive between now and training camp that they could bring him on a one-year, you know, maybe one, maybe one and a half million dollar deal. He he slots into the second line uh, left wing while Gensel is out because Riley Smith will go to the first line. But when Gensel gets back, then you could have Gensel with Crosby, Smith with Malkin, and then Tatar becomes basically your best player in the bottom six um, and a real offensive driver in the bottom six. And, um, you know, again, a player, you know, well, Jesse, I, I think of, I think there are a lot of good players left unsigned that are going to go to camps on PTOs. But to me, in terms of a guy that can be a stylistic fit, fill a need bring you a goal scoring and playmaking capability that is middle six. If you could anchor him in long-term for your bottom six, suddenly I think the Penguins then become a really formidable forward group, as opposed to just a team with a dominant top six and you hope you're getting some offense. His addition alone would be something that deepens their sort of forwards seven through 21 immensely because he's just he would be so far and away better than everybody else that they have uh if not him i think they'll maybe give somebody a pto i don't know if it'll be a guy like zach parisi or or what but um they'll find somebody i think uh, kyle dube has alluded like hey we're, there's a lot of good players left there's going to be a probably we'd be open to a guy on a pto if we can't sign somebody and if we need to get under waivers yeah, we'll put somebody on, or if we need to get under the cap, we'll put somebody on waivers. He basically is like, we're weaponizing waivers to get cap compliant. So um, I, I talked too long, so I apologize. Let me just say, the way he approaches roster construction is so night and day compared to the way the previous regime did. And just like, he looks at waivers as an ends to a mean, not just as something you do to fill a spot, which is the way a GM in the modern era should look at things. Um, Penguins might finally have a GM as skilled as some of their uh, top players, not without flaws. Theirs being age, his being that, you know, his teams haven't won in the playoffs enough, but um, even that he, he's built this Penguin team a little differently than he's built the Toronto teams. There's more diversification of the top assets and as great as Matthews and Marner are, 
They ain't ever come close to doing what Crosby and Malkin do in the playoffs. Well, let's talk about Kyle for a bit here because, you know, I'm, I'm based just outside of Toronto. So trust me, I, I've seen a Kyle Dubas interview or two in my <laughs> lifetime. Um, but I was reading your piece and the one line that really jumped out is you said, I can't recall how many times Dubas has taken questions from the local media since joining the Penguins. But I could affirm that every time I've been awestruck by his persona. And I always felt that way. I've always been a Dubas fan. I always enjoy what even press conferences, which the three of us have been to about a million of them. They're usually pretty boring. I always, I always found myself intrigued by, by uh, Kyle Dubas. Is that a new feeling that seems to have been brought not only to the franchise, a new field that since Dubas has got there, but also just among the media. I mean, when he walks away from a scrum, do you find yourself speaking with fellow colleagues saying, Oh, this, this is such a, a, a breath of fresh air. Um, you know, in media scrums, I don't always play nice with our colleagues. Uh, so <laughs> I'm a little territorial, like it's usually Josh Yoey and me, but, uh, so to give you an idea of the Penguins media situation is I usually am to the side of the room near a wall and I'm, I'm usually standing. Um, there's probably some psychological reasons for that, but I don't know. But traditionally, whether it's a player or coach, as they're leaving the podium after they're done, I like to have a question that has nothing to do with hockey ready for them, just to kind of show them. Um, Ron Hextall was just he would have none of that. Uh, um, Jim Rutherford would have all of it. Like he would answer the question and then take you outside the room and want to continue the conversation. You know, even if it's like, Hey, did you see uh, Rory McIlroy's final round the other day? Jim's a big golf fan, right? Um, Ray Shiro got annoyed by it. Dubis smiles, gives a very short answer, says, thank you, Rob, and leaves. The reason I bring this up is the man's a polite assassin. Okay. Like he's, he's, if you look, look at what he's done, right? He's meticulous. He's ultra prepared. Everybody I've talked to in the organization has said something along the lines of it's been night and day in terms of the way he communicates, the tone in which he communicates, and also the information he communicates. He is able to tell you exactly what. He wants you to know and nothing more or less. And that's the way he deals with the media. He gives us exactly what he wants us to know and makes it seem like he's giving us a lot. And then you go back and listen and go, oh, I see what he did there. Uh, reminds me a lot of Sidney Crosby. You know, I've been covering Sid his entire career. Sid talks all the time and always answers. And then you go back and listen and go, the guy didn't say anything. You know, um, now Dubas isn't quite that bad, but like Dubas delivers messages through the media. He answers questions with intention. Um, you, you get the sense that he almost has this sort of whiteboard in his head that is always sort of being adjusted for any situation. But you also realize just by seeing him do these deals and, and I've talked to some players who have spoken with him. Talked with agents who have dealt with him. They really like dealing with him, but he knows what he wants and he usually goes and gets it or close to it. So I like to say he's he's like a he's a uh he's an intriguing character. His persona is fascinating, but 
I think his roots, he's a killer. <laughs> he's just a really, really, he's one of those killers where you're like, I don't know if I ever saw this coming. Like he's the guy, you know, when I, I mean, when I say killer, I mean like as a, he gets what he wants. Um, and you, that's what I meant by awestruck. Like you're watching this guy that's, um, the, the, the comparison I'll make it to, and this is going to dated reference is if you've ever seen a Mick Jagger interview, there is a complete sincere lack of sincerity. And I think Dubis is sincere in that he's not being sincere in terms of giving you the information you think you're getting. God, he sounds like a puzzle. <laughs> just like you're trying to figure figure it out at all times. All that being said, Rob, are, are you surprised or not surprised that he just stripped that interim tag off his <laughs> job description and says, I'm going to do it myself? Because there's been a lot of speculation in Toronto that one of the reasons it didn't work out is he wanted full and complete control and they just were not willing to give it to him. Uh, so I can't speak to the Toronto stuff. I've, I've heard and, and read what everybody else has heard and read. Um, he hasn't discussed it. Um, I'd love to, but, you know, uh, again, he's only going to tell me what he wants to tell me, right? Uh, my view on it from day one was he was going to be the GM. They gave Kyle Dubas a seven-year contract. They're paying him $5 million a year, and he has, he has limited use of the private jet. Um, he's in charge. Um, I never thought Kyle Dubas wanted to put a GM in the position that he may have been in in Toronto where you don't have full autonomy. I think he felt like I'd rather have uh, assistant GMs or associate GMs than name a GM who was basically in the situation I was in in Toronto, if that's what was the case in Toronto. Um, but also like, yeah, what I don't know if the title matters. I mean, he, he, again, He's calling the shots. It's clear that he's in control. Um, I think the title of president of hockey operations allows him maybe down the road, maybe during the, the rebuild era, you know, maybe he considers then hiring a GM and he oversees sort of the direction of the franchise while the GM, you know, uh, gets an opportunity. But even then, I, you know, he's, he's 37. I mean, I, I said, I said, I was talking to somebody with ownership the day he was hired and they were like, you know, we gave him this deal, but like, we're basically planning on him being here at least a decade. So I, I think, I think this is a long-term marriage in terms of the intention. I'm I'm curious what you think about that next phase. Like, like it seems like you, you think this is a good marriage in terms of this last window for them to try to win another championship. And, and Dubas has kind of come in and brought some of his own things, changed some things. What do you think about the match with him and uh, Pittsburgh beyond the next couple of years? I think he's in a perfect situation, right? He gets to take a crack at the big goal this year and next. And if it doesn't work, he can very easily say, you know what? We tried. We owed these guys a shot. We gave it to them. It didn't work. Um, I think then he has the opportunity to have a conversation with Crosby, Malkin, Latang, and Carlson and say, look, um, this isn't going to be a retooling. This is going to be a rebuild. 
Uh, we hope it doesn't last long. If you still want to be a part of it, we'd love to have you, but the guys around you aren't going to be veterans. And if you don't want to be a part of it, especially with those big three, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, um, if 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 you see that this isn't something you want, I will we'll 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 send you where you want to go within reason, basically. We'll do right by you. Personally, I think all three of those guys are gonna be, you know what? We're here, we love it here, we were here for the highs. We want to leave this thing in a good spot. Um, so I don't foresee either of them, any of them, ever playing anywhere else in the NHL. But even if that doesn't happen, I, I, I think Dubas then gets sort of the clearance from not only the organization, but the fans to, to do some drastic things, you know, because we haven't seen a run like this in the cap era. I mean, they had made the playoffs 16 years in a row uh, in a, in a sport where that's not supposed to happen. Um, and it was only through gross mismanagement that it, that it didn't happen by just a, just a point, right? Like, I mean, um, if you've read the chaos story that Josh and I put together and I don't even know when it seems like years ago, but um, if you, if you go to the athletic and just search chaos and penguins, you'll find it. Like once you read that, you you probably come away more impressed that they got near the playoffs than just missed. Uh, but like, we haven't seen this run. We haven't seen a group age as well as these guys have. So I, what I think about it, Jesse is I don't know because each and every year, I think this is the last year, right? When it was the last year, last year, they go out and have a type of offseason where I go, they might have a couple more years left. Now, does that mean they have a couple more years less as a cup favorite? No. But I can see the needle hole through which they're trying to thread. And it's certainly a bigger hole to thread through now than it was in May. Um, and if a Penguin fans are upset when a rebuild happens, you know what? Screw them. They've been spoiled brats. Uh, I mean, uh, and in, in a great way. I mean, but I mean, like, what do Pittsburgh fans have to care about, like, to complain about? I mean, there's been no more successful or entertaining franchise in the NHL over the last 35 years. That That's not me being a Pittsburgh native who covers the team. Like, Mario Lemieux, Yarmir Yager, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Paul Coffey, now Eric Carlson, Larry Murphy. Alex Kovalev, Rick Tockett. I mean, Mark Andre Fleury going into the Hall of Fame. Mark Kevin Stevens going into the Hall of Fame. I mean, like three, five Stanley Cup championships and six appearances in the final, and what is it? Uh, Twenty-seven playoff appearances since nineteen ninety-one. You're a mid-market franchise. You're doing that. If you have a few bad years, shut up. That's how the rest of the world lives. <laughs> I can't think of a better way to end it by our guest telling every fan who doesn't want to rebuild to shut up. Rob, I know you're not going to do this because you're far too busy with this team, but try to get a little bit of a break. Uh, in this I, am, I am going try to, to tune in early September. And as I, uh, uh, there it is. Not even the Penguins dissolving is going to affect me. For <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for doing this, Rob. We appreciate Thanks, Rob. it. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you. Rob Rossi from The Athletic having a blast covering this Pens team. Rapid fire coming up after the break.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokers Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. All right, my favorite time of the show and yours, rapid fire. We've got five topics, Jesse, to get through. Uh, Jeff Petrie traded to Detroit. He's been just bounced around a lot uh, in this offseason, but heading to Detroit, uh, Montreal gets uh, Gustav Lindstrom and the 2025 conditional fourth round pick in the deal. The Canadians are going to uh, retain 50% of that salary, but the interesting angle to this one you remember his dad, Dan Petrie, played for the Detroit Tigers. War number 46. What number is Jeff Petrie going to wear in Detroit? Number 46. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, cool story. I like the move for Detroit. Um, I think this is a young team that's trying to take the next step. And Petrie, he's getting old. He's going to be 36 this year, but I he's played really well. I mean, two years ago in the shortened season, he was awesome for Montreal. I thought he was like should have been a Norris contender. Um, if he can give them even a sliver of that, um, along with the, the young guys they've got on the blue line, I, I like the, the move for the Red Wings. Rapid fire topic number two, David Krejci retiring. The Bruins just retirement <laughs> just continues. First Bergeron, now Krejci finishes with 786 points in 1,032 regular season games, ninth on the Bruins all-time scoring list. This is not good if you're a Bruins fan. No, you lose the the two superstar centers that have been there for a long, long time. Both of them for decades. Uh, it's gonna look. It's gonna be weird watching the Bruins and not having Bergeron and Krejci up the middle. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what that team is gonna look like. It's gonna be interesting. I mean, he had a big hand in Pasternak season too, right? I mean, yeah. it's it's this. If you're a Bruins fan, you're coming off the best regular season ever, and then falling flat on your face in the playoffs. And now the bad news just continues to roll in. Uh, speaking of retirements, Paul Byron kind of announced, you know, Kent Hughes kind of sit, let it slip out that he is going to retire. He spent all of last season on the LTIR, but the Habs said they are going to talk to him about a possible off-ice role. Yeah. Um, I don't know don't what that anything. means exactly, but yeah, yeah. It should be, hope, hopefully he can continue his hockey career. It's You always, you always hate to see guys that, that retire on LTIR and it's because they just couldn't get back out there. It happens too often. Rapid fire topic. Number four, Kale McCarr. We pump his tires nonstop and rightfully so on this show. And another accolade. He's going to be on the cover of NHL 24. The first time an avalanche player has been on the cover since Peter Forsberg in 1998. 
Oh, I was eight. I remember it well. Peter Forsberg was my favorite skater growing up. I remember that cover. Man, that's nostalgia mentioning that one. But uh, yeah, Kale McCarr, it should be... Uh, He's, he's the perfect player to put on there because he is like a video game out there on the ice. Um, I didn't buy last year's. I think I might have to get this one. I'm not a gamer at all. Not, no? not even. A, no, I was a kid. I only, I Blades of Steel and ice hockey for Nintendo, but not, not in the NHLs. I only play the golf game and the hockey game. That's like literally the only video games <laughs> I own, but I play them every once in a while. There's no hockey curse, though, right? I don't like the NFL curse. Everybody who got put on the there Madden would get hurt. Curse. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. No. And finally, I had said months ago, I don't want to talk about a Coyotes arena until it's built because I was sick and tired of it, but it's on our lineup. So let's talk about it because ownership have executed a letter of intent to purchase some land in Northwest Mesa to uh, Mesa, Mesa, yeah, to potentially build a new sports arena and entertainment district for the franchise. But apparently they're going to be issuing a few of these letters to make sure they get some land. Like I said, call me when the arena's built. How about you? Yeah. The one thing that did that was interesting is the word privately funded in there. Um, you don't see that very often nowadays. Most hockey team, most most sports teams are holding cities hostage, making them, forcing them to give them millions of dollars to build it. Um, it'd be interesting to see uh, a team actually build their, a, a billionaire actually build his own stadium for once. What a, what a concept. Uh, they basically said they didn't want it. So, right. I mean, if you want to stay in the area, you got no choice. Right. You got to just come up with the cash yourself. So there you have it. Rapid fire. I know it's the off season, Jesse. We talked to Rossi about being busy. You got anything on the uh, on the stove we should know about? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go on vacation here in the next couple of weeks, but I do have uh, a Golden Knights piece coming out, a couple of Golden Knights pieces coming out before then, um, and, and doing some goalie stuff. I, I It was a, a fun thing to write the uh, five best contracts in the NHL uh, at goalie, kind of the guys that are given the best return on value. So that's out there. Um, and then I've got a couple Golden Knights pieces coming up. Google Jacques Plante is very important. I know you weren't around right. for that, but you should right. probably t- take a look at him. His salary uh, uh, was probably a great deal. I, I'm going to guess he was not making very much money. Uh, I, th- I think he was a steal. <laughs> Thanks, as always. And I want to remind everybody out there, if you want to take a look at our ugly bugs, head to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash The Athletic Hockey Show. And The Athletic Hockey Show returns on Monday. Max Baltman and Corey Promman have uh, the Prospect Series Pipeline rankings all next week on The Athletic. We are going to be gone for the next two weeks. We are going to see you in September. Enjoy the sunlight. We'll talk to you soon.